from CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guide. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Timmons and Ross Martin. Welcome to the podcast, episode number 62. I am Ross Martin. Nate Timmons is also here. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs, and what's up to you, Ross Martin? Oh, man, I'm doing so great. So freaking great today, man. Yeah. I uh, I had a great time last night. As did I, sir. South Stands Denver Fancast. Colin Daniels and John Reedy over there. The Concrete Bunker. In the Concrete Bunker down there at Sportique Studios. They had us over last night to record an episode of their fine podcast. Yes. Which is a, uh, it's been around a while, uh, since 1971. Yeah. Which is a long time. It really is. And they were uh, talking trash about Irvin Joe. <laughs> yeah, about them being old. Yeah. 1971, the They've been Come podcasting on. since 1971. <laughs> but uh, no, I had a great time over there with those guys last night. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was interesting to see how other guys run their podcast and pretty much the same way we do. Yep, pretty much. Mic stands, mixers. <laughs> pretty much the same way. And uh, it was just a hell of a lot of fun. I would encourage anybody to go over to southstandsdenver.com and uh, check out that podcast if you haven't already. And some party favors as well, Ross. We got uh, some peppers. So, oh, that's right. As soon as I walk in there, John Reedy hands me a bag of fresche pepe. A fresh pepe. He's in the in the green business. Yeah, it's great. From his own garden. Yeah. It was uh, an Anaheim chili, a couple jalapenos, a couple habanero peppers, and then one long skinny red pepper. I don't know what it's called, but it looks dangerous. It really does. It looks like that pepper <laughs> that Homer Simpson ate in that uh, hallucin you know that hallucination episode when he where he pours the candle wax down his throat. Yeah, with, where Johnny Cash was playing the Coyotes voice. Was he? Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't it, recognize. I was I was young when I saw it. Homer. I think he said he's like Homer, Homer, <laughs> something like that. So don't, I'm gonna, remember, don't remember what else he said. I'm gonna cook he's something like, with those peppers, but I'm gonna make sure I have nothing to do um, the rest of that evening, and then probably for most of the next day, make sure I'm somewhere around the toilet. Yes, or in the middle of the desert on the <laughs> vision quest. Yeah, and uh, Homer. Yeah, it was good fun. Jeff Vanderhuel. Met him. He is the proprietor of Dice. Got some delicious, tasty otter pops filled with booze. Yeah, that's what I call them, Ooh. adult otter pops. Ooh. Those are nice. Delicious, though, yeah. <laughs> I may or may not have, uh, when I got home, had one of those. It wasn't frozen. I might have. Had, I may or may not have had one of those on the rocks. <laughs> and uh, if you guys want to find those out there, you can find them at Argonaut Liquors in Denver. Yeah, and... Uh, Drink Dice or Dice Drink Drink Dice.com? Drink Dice? Drink Dice.com. Drink Dice.com. Something like that. Anyway, good time. Just going over there, checking that out. And uh, I thought it was a, it was a, it was a good time. Now, but uh, we're going to talk about a lot of sports and stuff, and, and we're going to catch up with uh, you, Nate, here in a second. But before we do that, let's remind everybody to go to our website, coloradosportsguys.com. Uh, you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and our Amazon.com affiliate link. If you go to coloradosportsguys.com and click through the Amazon banner at the top of the page, every time you do your normal shopping, you will be supporting this podcast and uh, we really appreciate you guys doing that. Again, it doesn't cost you anything extra. 
if you're going to do some shopping anyway on Amazon, you might as well click through the banner at the top of ColoradoSportsGuys.com and uh, go through there. We get a little a piece of that action. Do it. Do it, yeah. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, show at ColoradoSportsGuys.com, or you can use our phone number to leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. That phone number is 720-722-1274. What's that number again, Ross? 720-722-1274. We will read those text messages, and we will play those voicemails on the podcast if we Feel like it. We haven't done one for a while. We're gonna have to really reach out. I think at some point and get some uh, get some of those emails going again. We did like a whole episode, I think, one time of that. That's fun. Yeah, that was fun. I'm sure we've got a few saved up there. I tend not to check them as often as I should. Yeah. Or the ones I do, when I do check them, they're just not that great. Yeah, and sometimes you know, if you if you put me on the case, I'll bother people on social media, <laughs> and then then we usually get some direct responses. There you go. Yeah. We can do that. Now today we're going to talk about the Denver Broncos Ugh. and their loss to the Houston Texans on Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the fines that have been handed down to some of the Broncos players and coaches for words and actions. For words and actions, and uh, then we're also going to talk about, of course. I don't know if everybody's heard about this, but last night in the football game, there was a little controversial call by the officials. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do do you uh, follow sports? A little bit. Heard something about a game-winning play that maybe shouldn't have been a game-winning play for the Seattle Seahawks. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, that was it. (laughs) Golden, Golden Tate had a touchdown reception from Russell Wilson. And uh, people are a little upset about it. People don't know what to think. Or actually, excuse me, everybody knows exactly what to think. Everybody knows what to think. (laughs) (laughs) There's uh, roughly, you know... Twitter, Facebook, ESPN, CNN. I saw it at the gym in the locker room on CNN. It was so funny last night as, you know, we're recording the podcast. We're talking about officiating screw-ups. We were talking about the Baltimore Ravens and the Patriots game with that field, field goal. goal. Yeah. And, uh, Just pick a game and you can pick a call. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was so funny. As soon as we got done recording, Colin is checking his Twitter and we're trying to follow the end of the game, right? Or he's checking his uh, ESPN game app cast, or whatever yeah. it is. And he's telling us, oh, it looks like uh, the Packers are going to win this. And, and then, uh, like, within seconds, he's like, uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Something went down. It's twelve was, to seven Packers. It's yeah. it's thirteen to twelve Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have to talk about that. I have some theories about what happened last night. Okay. And I have, I actually have two theories. One is you uh, say them now. You wanna wait? Well, we'll wait and we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. But I, I have two theories that I think <laughs> are uh, gonna make a lot of sense. That you've heard. We've heard everything, but yeah. you haven't heard what I have to say. On my two theories, and they, I think, this is why we do this podcast here, because people are going to get the original stuff here, original analysis. Yes. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the Denver Nuggets and training camp starting here uh, just uh, a week from today on October 2nd, next Tuesday. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Some boys are back in town, which I think you're excited about. Indeed, sir. Some of our uh, favorite nuggets. And then at the end of the show, we're going to uh, we're going to recap and we're going to have the results of our gambling from last week from our Gamblers on the Storm episode, our new weekly mini episode late in the week. 
Yeah. Gamblers on the storm. Gamblers on the storm. I uh, I'm not feeling. I feel pretty good about my picks. Uh, we'll run through them later. I, I think I did all right. Yeah, I'm ready to break down those week four picks later on. So and we are we had do have three carryovers. It's we like do. A, it's like the Colorado sports guys skins game. First three uh, two weeks we tied right. We did. And so we have two t- carryovers. Excuse me. So we'll see if that tie is broken. This uh, this week after week three. Yeah. Now, as I was talking about being over at the um, South Stands Denver Fancast Sportique Studios, we got into a little bit of television talk. Indeed. And uh, I, of course, I always enjoy discussing. Yeah, I love talking television, TV, man. and uh, not television as like most people enjoy it because I don't have cable. <laughs> okay. I enjoy internet through, which I've mentioned at least once before. Well, that's really the best way to watch stuff, though, is either on DVD or to watch like a Netflix an entire season. Netflix, because I do have cable and I have been watching stuff week to week, and it sucks. You know, it's yes. not as fun. It is. It's horrible. And then you have to watch the commercials. I watch almost all of my uh, recent television on Amazon, and this isn't like a plug. I'm just explaining. I use Amazon Instant. And uh, I watch all the new episodes just the day after. But one of the problems with that is I don't know when the new seasons are starting. Yeah. And I didn't find out about Sons of Anarchy until after the season had already started. Well, that's not too bad because you have a couple to catch up on. And I did catch up on those. And uh, the show's decent. It's it's not great. I'll watch my Sons of Anarchy. It's on tonight. So I have it set to record. I'll get home from the podcast. I get home. I go to bed. And then I Wake up tomorrow, go to work, go to the gym, come home, and my reward is to watch Sons of Anarchy. Commercial yes. free, baby. Speed yes. through them. There's something I wanted to ask about. I wanted to pose this question to you and to all the listeners. Yes, I would be in a motorcycle gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we were talking last night on the South Stands podcast about uh, The Wire, and we were talking about how McNulty and uh, – Bushy Top. And uh, and uh, Cor- uh, Stringer, Stringer Bell, they're both British actors. Yeah. Jax Teller is also, is also a British actor. Remember him from Green Street Hooligans? Don't have any idea what that is. Oh, man, it's with uh, it's him. He's the main character, and his cousin comes over from America, and the cousin is played by uh, the little kid that's in Wilford. Uh, are you talking about uh, Wilford, the show about the dog? Yeah, the child actor that never really grew as he grew up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood, yes, from yeah. Lord of the Rings. Elijah Wood is in that one. Green Street Hooligans is about soccer hooligans in England, and it's a group of fans, and their job is to fight the other fans from the other cities. So it's all about And it was Elijah the- Wood? Yeah, he comes over from America, and his cousin, oh. his cousin is you know the head guy, this hooligan clan, whatever, and they're just like street fighting and drinking. It's a pretty good movie. I recommend. Is it. this a recent film or? It is. It's within the last probably six, seven years. All right, I'm into it. Yeah. I'll check it out. It's good. With Charlie Hun Hunman or Hunnam or whatever his name is, Jax Teller. Yeah, and he's got a shaved head, and so he looks completely different than he does on SOA. Yeah, I can. I, I wasn't as surprised about him being British after I found out about it because I thought his accent was very forced like the way he speaks but at any rate my question that i wanted to pose oh yeah directly related to sons of anarchy is this in sons of anarchy and in most motorcycle gangs i'm guessing the old lady refers to your wife or your girlfriend right yes your old lady right yet played by katie seagal yeah or that uh the hot chick 
uh, is her name like Maggie or something? I don't know her name. <laughs> She's cute though. But but old man refers to your father. Yes. So women wouldn't call their husband or boyfriend the, their old man, right? I don't know. Maybe. But like it's like you got your old lady and you got your old man. Your old lady is your girlfriend. Your old man is your dad. It's like my old man and I went fishing this weekend, or my old man and I went down and picked up some go- some drugs from the Tijuana cartel and, and wrote the them up. Old man to, and I are running guns. Hold them up to uh, charming, right? Yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. Don't you I think? call my dad old man. You do? Yeah. What do you? Uh, what would you call your girlfriend or wife? Call her a sports girlfriend. <laughs> All right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, old lady. I don't know about. I mean, maybe when you're older, but like, does Jax call his chick old lady? On yeah, the show? she's the old lady. Old lady. She's his old lady. Same with the. Uh, it's kind of rude. What's that porn star in that that show? The uh, girl and the big guy, Opie. Opie's. Yeah, chick. he's got an old. You're had an old Ope. lady. Yeah, oh, Opie. So sad what that guy deals with. Strong side, left side. <laughs> Remember the Titans, though. That is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I wanted to pose that question out there. You think to that's see. Opie's real hair, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. Like the beard, questionable, but the his long hair, I don't know. That guy's a big dude. Because they put him in that like stocking cap a lot. So yeah, it's like it's probably a wig. Yeah, he does kind of almost look like uh, like a lot of the times in that show, a lot of their hair looks too done up. Like that's not what yeah, real like, bikers look like. Is he straightening like. his hair every morning? Does he have a yeah, straight putting iron? Putting it back in like that ponytail. It looks, you know. Yeah. But uh, it looks like Gavin Rosdale haircut. Like that's not what a biker would look like. No. They're trying to make him look greasy. Uh, Jack Teller started out with the stringy hair and shaved his head. Now he's got a full blown like Mad Men like <laughs> look going on. Yeah, he changes it up quite a bit. But yeah. I haven't seen Open any other TV shows recently, so I don't know if it's you know real hair or not. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Question it. M- movie magic. Yeah. How do you feel about Jimmy Smith's being in that? He's kind of returned from the dead. I love Jimmy Smith. <laughs> that season when he was on Dexter, one of my favorite episodes. What was he on prominently? Was it NYPD Blue or something? I think so. Yeah. That or Law and Order or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's he pretty is good. great. I wish that guy was like my buddy, like Jimmy Smith. I think I wish we were buddies. <laughs> wonder how long those dudes have to sit to get all the fake tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably not that long. Yeah. I don't know. Less time than it took for you to get the real ones over it's there. It's true. Very true. But, uh, yeah, so uh, it was good times last night. TV talk, sports talk, and all that stuff. What's up with you, dude? Man, I got a big, uh, the great debate on my hands this week. Ooh. Uh, the 20... Sounds intriguing. I think the 29th is Saturday. I'll take a peek it here. Is. It is. 29th is Saturday. The UCLA Bruins are coming to Boulder to face the uh, JV... Buffs, so JV, fair assessment. Oh, they did, they did win Good a game one. last weekend. They beat Washington State. By the way, speaking of that, I don't want to inter- interrupt you here, but that game, Buffs come back and win that game. This was one of the most exciting games that I have ever read about. I didn't see anything about it. How did they come back? Like, what was, Do you know how many they were down by? They were down point? by like three touchdowns or something within the last ten minutes. Mike, we've got to get John Woods in here to and, talk Buffs. Uh, it was not a game I would have watched, uh, but I'll tell you, Buffs. Two garbage teams. 1-0 and in the Pac-12, I believe. Yeah. Undefeated in conference play. Better percentage than USC. Mm-hmm. See? Big time. See how that goes? You never know what's going to happen. Big time. Look for them to so shock the world. We have uh, UCLA coming out here, and you know they're going to be in Boulder. 
I got a bunch of friends. Pretty much everybody I know is going to go to Boulder to tailgate for this game. I don't know if I want to go or not. And that's your big debate? That's the big debate. Tailgating, college campus, is it worthwhile? What's better? I do have a nice, fresh box of dice, adult otter pops I could take. Oh, that's right. Yeah, find some of those 19-year-old girls and... I was just thinking I'd pass Reel around to people the tailgate. Reel them in. <laughs> Reel them in. Hey, yeah. you college, come on over. It says not for children on there, but you don't have to show them that. No, no. You just make sure that they're, you know, that they Dice. have a dorm room or something. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the tailgate's fun. You know, there's always uh, – my buddy actually has a, a pretty big grand thing going on. He's got, you know, a huge, uh, like – Van type deal. He's got TVs. There's I know always, he's there's, got a van. He's a van guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. It's more <laughs> like a. It's more like one of those little like party bus or something. But it's pretty sweet. He's got like a know, conversion van. Yeah, in the back you like open it up. It's like TVs built in. I think or wow. something. It's pretty fancy. So he's got. He's always got a bunch of a uh, bunch of different kinds of beer. Uh, they'll have you know pregame stuff on the TV or whatever. Um, food. Obviously, everybody kind of brings food. But is it, is it worth it to go? Well, here's the deal. All right, now. I've always thought that it's a pretty BS move, kind of just bogus, to be a a fan of neither team going to a game, and then you know, like you know, you're gonna wear your CSU gear and stuff like that, and just be annoying. I mean, if you're gonna do that, then I say stay at home. Don't stay be one out. of those guys, yeah. and also don't go up there and root for UCLA just because you're a Rams fan and you don't want to root for the Buffs because then that just makes you. A douche, like you're just yeah, like a bitter, you know, trying to harsh on everybody's buzz, right? Yeah. So I say, you know what? If you're not going to go up there and root for the buffs, or at least just nod and smile, then don't bother. I mean, go up there and play the part and ha- and, and experience the environment, experience the game, experience the you know the camaraderie of being on the CU campus, which is a beautiful campus. I'll tell you one thing: it really, is. just the colors that you might see up there on the foliage it might be enough for me to go up there and check it out even if i wasn't interested in the game itself do you so, do you borrow a cu shirt or do you just dress neutral you can dress neutral yeah, yeah. you know just like put on a black you could do whatever you want whatever you feel comfortable with you got colorado roots i can i can i can go up to fort collins at Hughes stadium and i could wear a rams jersey if they were playing somebody other than the buffs yeah they're playing Shadron State or whatever conference they're in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. North Whoever, Dakota. San Diego State <laughs> or something. I could do that, and uh, I, could, I would root for the Rams. And I have my sister went to CSU. My dad went to CSU. I, I, you know, I got love for CSU. Yeah. But don't be one of these, like, you know, CSU fans tend to get some of the, you know, little brother Napoleon complex. Yeah, and I, I mean, on. I grew up a Buffs fan. I was, you know, See, a big so fan go up the, there and the root Cordell for the Buffs. What's the problem? You know, I like it, like the enemy on the sideline. It's awesome to see, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'm going to debate. We'll now, let you guys if, know. if you're worried about going up there just watching the Buffs get destroyed, have no fear because the Buffs are undefeated in conference play. That's true. So that's true. I see no reason why they can't beat UCLA. None at all. UCLA's, Is UCLA good? Uh, they had a big upset against Nebraska two weeks ago, and then they lost last weekend. They to, beat uh, Nebraska in an upset? They beat Nebraska, and then they lost last week to Oregon State. It's amazing how quickly Nebraska has just left my radar. Yeah. Yeah, like as soon as they left the Big uh, Big 12 or whatever it's called now, they literally just never thought one more second I don't miss 
playing those guys. I, there's just nothing. There was there's nothing about Nebraska that I think is. Well, was what I thought of the whole change of CU going to the Pac-12 is it's like okay, where would you rather go? Was it Ames, Iowa, where Iowa State is, uh, Lawrence, Kansas, Nebraska, or would you rather go to Southern California, Oregon, Arizona? I mean, that's a yep. no-brainer. Or like, yeah, exactly. Northern California up there, Stanford. Right? Yeah. No, no-brainer. absolutely. Boulder fits in better with the other ones. Yeah. Plus, Taylor, all those people from California come out here and then go back there. And, yeah, so absolutely. Nobody graduates CU and moves to Iowa. Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. No, like, nobody moves there anyway. No, you're either you're going to stay in Colorado or you're going to go to the ocean. You yes. know? So yes. That's that's it. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. What about you, buddy? What you got going on? <sighs> this weekend. I don't think I have anything going on this weekend. <laughs> oh. Going to the Broncos game. Oh, I'm sure. you know where I'm going? Yeah, be at the Broncos game, I think. We'll see. Haven't decided. Uh, I'm going to the uh, 50th birthday party of my wife's uncle. Nice. Where so are they I'm having that? that? They're having that at the, uh, remember, you know, down uh, Sportique Studios where we just were? Yeah. Right across Quincy at the Full House Bar. Oh, you mentioned that last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll be there Full Saturday. House. So you can tell what kind of party this is going to be. Nice. There's this a new is... place down on Broadway. It's like right across from like Think Tank Tattoo. I can't ever remember what the name of it is, but it looks pretty nice. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. but Yeah. Some gems on Broadway, I think. <laughs> There's Hidden, probably some dives. Hidden gems. There could be some awful places. Hidden dives. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, let's do this. Let's. Uh, you want to take a little break and come back and we'll uh, – Get this Broncos talk over with, and and uh, you know, in addition to talking about the loss to the Texans, we'll talk about the upcame upcoming match against. Did I just say match? It's close enough. So. We got Raider Hater Week, baby. <laughs> My second week pod, second day of this week podcast. I'm tired. Broncos are coming off of a loss in a uh, American football match against the Texans. <laughs> Houston, uh, you know we covered some of this last night. Uh, you know I, I don't want to spend a lot of time rehashing it. You know, do you realize how I, many how many Texans guys were with the Broncos? Like Gary Kubiak, former player, Wade Phillips, former coach, Wade Phillips, uh, Rick Dennison, the offensive line coach, Rick Smith, the general manager. Uh, Rick Smith? Is his name Rick Smith? Well, wait, he's a general manager of the Texans, but he wasn't the general manager of the Broncos. No, he worked in the front office here, though. Oh, okay. And he flew back, actually, a day early to attend Rod Smith's uh, dinner for his induction into the Ring of Fame. Oh, yes. But there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of guys. And don't, isn't like, is Mike Nolan on the Texans? No. Who's that? Who's Mike Nolan? Why do I think that? He's a defensive coordinator for the Falcons now, I think. Oh, for the Falcons. Okay. Yeah. That's got a little confused there. Kind yeah. Of, uh, and then if you, if you know old history, Bum Phillips, Wade's dad was the coach of the Houston Texans way back when. So now Wade is wait, back in Houston. Houston Texans? Uh, Houston Oilers, my mistake. Ah. The Oilers. You mean the Tennessee Titans? Yes, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. What a cluster F that is. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Move one team away, move them back. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, now... I'm not too worried about the Broncos' loss against the Texans and the prospects for them to have a successful season. And a lot of people are. Yes. And 
I think that what we have been seeing over the past few days, and a lot of people have been saying, well, Peyton Manning doesn't have the arm strength. He's not the same guy he was. And I don't know if I agree with that, but that being said, I don't think that's the biggest problem. I don't think it's physically. I don't think it's mentally. I think it's the approach. The approach that he's taking as he goes into the game, it looks exactly like the approach he was taking the last time he was on the Colts. And he's trying to do the exact same thing. And I don't fault him for that because what else would you do? You move into a new situation. You do what you know works. But it's clearly not working. And he looks frustrated. And the, our receivers and blockers, our offensive line looks clueless. Yeah. And it's just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. My, uh, my stepdad made a similar point of that, just saying, like, you can see Peyton out there directing traffic and, you know, doing his thing. And you see the rest of the guys kind of looking at him like, wait, what am I supposed to do? And it's, yeah, they just don't have that familiarity in that. And just don't, I don't know. There's not well, yeah, up to that, Peyton's speed. There's yeah. like, it's that, uh, you know, like a short order cook and, you know, the uh, the people taking the order, right? Yeah. They have that, uh, they have that shorthand that where they work with and they're used to each other. And, and what Peyton Manning was dealing with when he was playing with the Colts was 10 years of the same exact players and pretty much the same coaching staff, uh, you know, the entire time, same offensive line guys, same tight ends, like everything was the same and they were all on the same page and they got a lot better over the years. And so what we're seeing here, I think, is just that gap, that gap between uh, you know, the knowledge that Peyton brings and his tendencies and the experience that the, uh, the rest of the team has. And I think that's why you saw at the end of the game Who's he targeting? He's targeting Stokely and Tammy, right? Yeah. Uh, how many times did he throw at Demarius Thomas? Like 12 times, and he had three catches, something like that? Yeah, Demarius had 11 targets. Uh, here's, here's the thing. That I, Demarius had 11 targets, and Tam had, Tammy had 11 targets. So 22 targets for those two guys, only six catches. Yes, and what that, then what happens is when they are, you know, running these routes that they're not that confident about beforehand because Peyton Manning's calling an audible and changing things up. And what happens is when that, when Peyton Manning makes that throw, it doesn't look crisp. It doesn't look like it has any zip on it. And that's because the guys aren't in the right spot. So, you know, if he just stands there in an empty field and throws that same pass, you're like, oh, that looks great. But when you compare it to where the, the wide receivers are and where the defense is, it looks like it was misguided or it looks like it didn't have enough oomph on it. But I, I, I'm not, I, I don't see this as Peyton Manning as the problem. And if it is, then we're going to have to adapt. And I think they're going to have to adapt anyway. I think a little bit of it is Peyton Manning. He has missed some throws. He's also, I mean, you got to also put a lot of that blame on the offensive line for not really giving him a ton of time back there. But as an NFL quarterback nowadays, you don't get a lot of time. There's speed rushers all over the field. The Broncos have them. Other teams have them. You don't have a ton of time back there to set up and you know have your receivers make three or four different moves. You got to go and take whatever the defense is giving you. And I've kind of been comparing what Peyton Manning's doing now. I can see it a little bit if you if you look liken it to boxing or the UFC, where in the UFC a guy gets hurt like a George St. Pierre. His first fight back in the UFC is going to be a title defense against either Carlos Condit or Nate Diaz. These guys are top-level fighters, and I liken that to Peyton because Peyton's come back from you know, a year off, a year away from football, and he's not getting to play you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, the 
you know, New Orleans Saints. He's played the Steelers, the Falcons, and the Texans. Those are three top-notch defenses. The Falcons and the Texans, probably the cream of the crop in the NFL this year. So he's been thrown back into a situation where it is going to take him a little bit of time to get everything back to how it was. And like you said, I think blame goes around. There's a little bit on the receivers. I think there's some on the offensive line and even some with Peyton physically. And the way I – yeah, I I, I agree – you know, partially for what you said, I, I agree that he's going to need time, but I, I don't see it as much of the pro- as a problem with Peyton as I do with everybody else. What do you and, think about these wobbly footballs? Uh, well, here's here's the way I see it, and this is the way I've seen Peyton Manning play his entire career: is that he, you know, will look at the defense, predict what's going to happen, take three steps, you know, and just in the blink of an eye, make a decision, and he throws the ball where that wide receiver is supposed to be. And we saw that a couple different times. Now, sure, there's been some wobbly passes in there, right? Yeah. But that's just a factor of, you know, if he's getting rushed a little bit or, you know, just like a little bit of turn. I mean, just a little bit off the fingers the wrong way, it's going to be a little wobbly. But that doesn't affect where the ball is supposed to be. Like if the ball is where it's supposed to be, then the wide receiver has to be where the ball is, not the other way around. You know what I mean? And that's the way Peyton Manning has achieved so much success is that he knows where the guys are supposed to be, and that's what they prepare for every week, and they run these patterns. And Peyton Manning's throwing the ball before Demarius Thomas is even turning around. Yeah. You know, and there was one big play where, like, the guy was open. I think it was Thomas, and he turned around, and the ball, you know, kind of sailed over. But if you look at where Demarius Thomas was, he was, you know, a yard and a half shy of the sideline. And so it's not about Peyton Manning's confidence in Thomas. It's not about Demarius Thomas's confidence in Peyton Manning. It's about Demarius Thomas's confidence in himself, as in, you know, do what you were supposed to do and have confidence in the system and run that route as hard as you can and then turn around and make that final break as hard as you can. Make that cut as hard as you possibly can. And when you turn around, the ball will just be there. And I noticed that several times. And granted, I was five stories up or however far I was, but <laughs> yeah. I watched some replays and I saw that. And you look at the type of game Peyton Manning had with over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. 52 attempts. 52 attempts, right. You know, only 26 completions, right? I mean, that type of a game, you would think that's a win. No interceptions, especially since the Broncos had, you know, had no turnovers at all and we took two away. So I... I, I see it as everybody's still catching up to Peyton, and Peyton, it's not as much about him adapting. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I think that. And, and again, I, I mentioned this last night. I've, uh, I had a discussion with a guy, a local guy in media. He told me, and this is what he said. He said, quote, unquote, Demarius Thomas might be the dumbest person he's ever met. Okay? Just he's a dumb person. And I would let, yeah, I mean, if that – media member thinks that or has been around him and knows that. I mean, I'm not going to judge him based off anything that I know. I'd, he could be the smartest guy ever. That, you know, I just don't know. So, well, it's uh, funny because I've seen him in interviews, right? And he seems dumb, but I'm always like, well, maybe he's just camera shy. But here's the deal. Demarius Thomas, maybe, <laughs> you know, Peyton Manning's out there using hand signals and calling audibles and all this stuff. And Demarius Thomas is trying to learn sign language when he barely speaks English. So he's going to have to catch up or get out, right? I mean, like, he's going to have to pick up his game, not the other way around. Because at the end of the season, we're not getting rid of Peyton Manning, and, but we might get rid of Demarius Thomas. Peyton's and so, ta- he's talked well about Demarius. He says he's, you know, the biggest receiver he's ever had. He's super talented. 
I think they'll work it out. I think so too. But again, Peyton Manning's not going to talk bad about his receivers. Right. He's not. He's not that type of guy. Right. He's not Jay Cutler. <laughs> Very you know true. I mean? And that's the thing. Yeah. And at this end of the season, maybe Jay Cutler's gone from Chicago. But Peyton Manning's here, and all these guys need to pick it up and figure out how to play with him, not the other way around. So we we talked about the offense extensively. Are you worried about this defense? The defense has given up big plays. They can't get off the field on third down. They gave up. Uh, Texans went 7 of 14 on third down. That's 50%. The Broncos on the flip side were 6 of 17. They only converted on 35%. Are we worried about this defense giving up two plays over 50 yards for touchdowns, another 46-yard pass? Uh, They're getting run on. Uh, Arian Foster had over 100 yards rushing. Yeah, this defense isn't, you know, it's not like last year they're holding teams to 10 points, 17 points, and the offense could kind of come along. Now it's the offense trying to play a little bit of catch up against the Falcons. It was the offense's fault because of the turnovers this week. The Texans seemed to do everything they could. And I was actually happy with Joe Mays' brutal hit because I was like, finally, somebody told them the only way to stop them is to hurt them. Right. Uh, I'll talk about that hit in a second. Yeah. To answer your first question. Yes, I'm worried about the defense. Yes, the defense is looking suspect. Have they always, this defense for the past, different players, different coaches, third down has always been a problem. Well, it always seems like that, right? Yeah. Because those are the stops you need to make. And missing one or not, you know, giving up a first down on that is, can be devastating. Now, I think that the way the Broncos' defensive strategy goes is assuming that we're going to have an explosive offense, right? Meaning, I think they're aggressive. I think that, yeah. that the cornerbacks are being coached and, and the safeties are being coached to try and get turnovers. Von Miller is primarily a pass rusher. Yes. Yeah. And now, maybe that didn't work so great against the Texans, who whose offensive line seemed to pretty much you know, defend the Broncos. I mean, the Texans should be in the Super Bowl. Like they should have those aspirations with the way that they've been playing last year and this year. That's a good team. Yes. Yeah, so there's something true. to be said about that offense. <laughs> that's true. Granted, I would say their three victories are not quality victories, but whatever. But I think that the way that this team is being coached, and I think of any else, anything else, this season has proven that coaching is very important. And you know, just look what's happening in New Orleans. You just said you just compared New Orleans to you know the type of team like the Chiefs at the beginning, right? <laughs> right yeah. You're like the Broncos haven't played the Chiefs. The Broncos haven't played the Saints. Everybody thought the Saints were going to be a force, but they lose their coach, they lose their leader, and that's what you know. They give I, up 230 yards rushing to Jamal Charles. Yep. <laughs> yes. Oh. But but you know what? I think that's what the Broncos are doing. They're 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 focusing on an aggressive defense, and I think it hasn't. Pay it off. It's risky, but that's the way you do it. I think back in the day with the Broncos, you know, when when John Elway was winning Super Bowls, and was it Greg Robinson was our defensive coordinator? Yeah, I, I swear to God, they blitzed, blitzed every single time, <laughs> no matter what the situation. But they could do that because they were confident enough that that they would be up by a touchdown or two. So, and honestly, Ross, if you look at the model of this Texans team, okay, Gary Kubiak has been the coach there. It seems like for forever now, right? I think since 2006 or something like that. This this group of players was the group of guys losing to Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. This team has been together. They've built chemistry. They're now, you know, starting to become a force in the NFL. 
Broncos are still a new team, new quarterback, you know, a new offensive system for that quarterback, new, completely new defensive coordinator once again, different players on the defense, <laughs> once again. you know, trying to mash. So it, it, we thought maybe this would be a, a quick turnaround for Denver and they'd be able to put it all together right away. Maybe that's not the case, but they, they're one and two. We've played three of our toughest games of the season to start out. You know, They get some easier get breaks down the road. But once again, the schedule is still pretty stout going forward. So let's talk about that schedule. Yeah. Now, real quick, before we do that, Joe Mays and John Fox, Jack Del Rio, all dinged by the NFL. Uh, John Fox and Jack Del Rio, were, they were fined for the Atlanta game, right? Correct. 30000 for Fox and 25000 for Del Rio. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, you can't, as the NFL, you can't put you know, the incompetent referees out there and then find the coaches for doing that. I mean, again, I was screaming at my players. TV more than they were, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so whatever. That's fine. That's kind of a symbolic gesture. I, I read in, on ESPN that the, the, someone from NFL headquarters called the Georgia Dome and uh, was like uh, during the game and was like, you guys, you gotta, we got to tell these guys to tone it down because they're going ape shit. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, I, I can see it. I but can you, see them doing you needed that. to. I mean, that's kind of how uh, we don't want to get into a big, too big yet, but that's how these refs have been responding is by the coaches being demonstratively arguing with them. Yes. That's the only way to get these guys to really stop and go, okay, maybe we should talk about it. And again, I, and I've said this before, you know, this season, I think the only reason why people are getting so bent out of shape about the uh, play or the, uh, the officials is because everybody knows that they're replacements. Yeah. Uh, every, you know, it's, you know, you watch any NFL game, you know, anytime in the past 20 years, you always see the coaches barking at these guys, yeah. But they're even more upset because they think they're getting, they're being treated unfairly, right? And it's even like to the point where it feels like this is the closest we've ever been to having our own peers out there refereeing the game, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, fans are really—you see it everywhere. You talk about it at work. Everybody was talking at work today about different stuff, uh, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, social I have two media. theories. Well, last night's game. Yeah. But, okay, so then and then Joe Mays gets fined. He gets 50 grand, and he has a one-game suspension, which I believe he's appealing, so he'll probably get to play this weekend until they deny his appeal. I heard they will have an answer in three days. Oh, so it, is, it will be. I believe that's okay. what's going to happen. And I would be shocked if he's able to get that suspension overturned. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I just read about this, okay, in the Denver Post. I didn't see it on TV. Oh, I saw it. And that I haven't eight pulled times, it up. Maybe. I haven't pulled it up. <laughs> now, what I read was that right as Joe Mays was about to hit him, uh, what's his face? His name Shab. Yeah, Matt Shab. Shab put his head down a little bit because he was getting hit from below as well. It was like two guys were getting him at from different sides at the same time. Right, which isn't in itself a penalty, right? Because no. he had the ball. Yeah, this isn't like. Uh, you know, a, a, an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or a defensive player. Yeah, this wasn't a late hit. Who was in like, you know, like the, if you're engaged up top and somebody comes in underneath, on, underneath it's not like that. This isn't like a chop block. Right. This was like they were sacking him or yeah. whatever. Now, and it looked, you know, even from where I was sitting, it looked brutal. 
Really I mean, did. his helmet flew off. And he immediately grabs his head. <laughs> yeah, well, did did he really lose a part of his ear? Yeah, like, they, they kept zooming in and showing it. There's just like, a, you know how immediately when you get uh, the blood starts clotting, it turns like black. So mm-hmm. there's basically just a big black scab there and then some on his neck where you can see some blood and you're just like, Bleh. All right, well, from what I read was that he put his head down and – it just happened that way that he hit him at the exact perfect spot to just hit the helmet and the helmet flew off. And you couldn't, you can't tell when you watch, like I didn't see a frame by frame slow-mo, but you can't really tell if he actually hits him in the head or if he just jars him in the chest. And that causes because he was leaning forward, like, you know, when you get hit, like whiplash kind of thing. Right. Like you couldn't really tell in, in regular speed at all. And it happened so fast and, I mean, it was really brutal, but at the same time, he wasn't lunging like head first at the guy's head. It didn't appear to be – it wasn't dirty. It was just a hard hit. Well, and that's the thing. And what boggles my mind about this whole system in the NFL is that they hand down the suspension and the fine. By the way, kind of interesting that this fine came down and the suspension came down on Tuesday when they normally come out on Wednesday, which is probably just like uh, them trying to get away from – what happened last night yeah. in that Seattle Packers game. But uh, that's weird. But then also they, they find him, and then they are like, well, you can uh, appeal it. Uh, oh, well, who do you appeal to? Well, the same guy who gave you the suspension. <laughs> yeah. again. I mean, how no, ridiculous I, I just changed that? my mind. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, what are they going to do? Are they going to go in and say, well, wait a minute. He, uh, you know, did they not look at the film <laughs> before they decided to suspend him? Because they're just going to go back and look at the exact same evidence, yeah, like, oh, and they're yeah. going to say, "Oh yeah, uh, yeah, we were right the first time." What are they? What are they ever going to say? Like, "Oh, actually, you know what? Uh, we were wrong." No, they're never going to do that. Yeah. And I also read about Joe Mays going over and apologizing to him after the game, and then after, you know, after everybody was dressed in their street clothes, he went over and apologized to him again, and. Clearly, you know that's meant. Maybe that. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe Joe Mays no, knew. Maybe he was coached. Listen, you're gonna get. Uh, you're gonna get suspended for this because it's the second week in a row that you've been fined for this type of hit. So if you want any chance at appealing that suspension, you have to go over there now well, before they before they suspend you. You have to go over there, and it has to be documented that you went and talked to the guy and you apologized and you said I didn't mean to hurt you and I, you know. Well, I think it's just, also just. Being a human, I think Joe Mays is a good guy. A lot of the media members are saying, you know, his coach stood up for him. I mean, from far as you can tell, he's a he hits hard. He's a great player. I don't know about it great. He's a good like, player, but he hit and he's known for being a I hitter. I think he's a great player. Yeah. I like him. On he's our known team. for flying around. He's known for hitting. He was a great special teams guy before he really got into this role, starting with Denver. So I mean, he, he's a, he's a big hitter. And if I don't know if you saw the the Cardinals Eagles game. There's a play where I think the Eagles had the ball in like the Cardinals five, and Vic dropped back, and this cornerback that actually broke Vic's ribs last year hit him again and just crushed him. Vic fumbled. Cardinals, I believe, ran it back for like a 95-yard touchdown. But, I mean, that was a clean hit, but it was as bad as Joe Mays hitting, and this was just right in Vic's ribs. So, I mean, you just see big hits in the NFL. It's just a big hit. We're, yes. We, we talked to Carl Mecklenburg on here, and he told us you know, last year about – Cleaning guys' clocks. Is that, it's just it, – it's football. So I wonder how much of this is kind of political, right? Like, you know, you read in an article in the Denver Post, Joe Mays apologizes after the game, right? Yeah. You know, when everybody's still on the field. Then after, he leaves the locker room, goes over to the Houston Texans 
visiting locker room, apologizes there. I wonder, again, if this is all kind of – it's kind of like doing your community service before you show up to court. Like, you know you're going to get busted. Go in and, you know, go start doing your community service now so that, that way when you go back in front of the judge, you can say, look, I'm remorseful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Goodell – maybe this was all planned out ahead of time. Right, but that being said, the way what Goodell has to do here, after what happened last night, it's almost like it's going to be, you know, I mean, it's like is Roger Goodell single handedly decimating our defense? Yeah. DJ Williams, <laughs> he wants to get rid of him. Now Joe Mays, it's like ah. We talk. We want to talk about this play, the Seattle Green Bay game. Do I ever? Yeah. Uh, this was. <laughs> here's 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 my overall take on. Can, we, can I give you a quick overall please, take on these refs? Please tell me. All right, so, okay, before the season starts, when these refs announce that they're going on strike, like, everything we hear from fans as usual, when people strike, is fans saying, these greedy refs, you know, there's all this, you know, ESPN's putting out stuff about, these guys are part-time workers, they make six figures, and now they want pensions, and so you're hearing all this, how greedy these guys are, and how awful it is that they're doing this, and blah, blah, blah. We have three weeks of absolutely horrid calls, longer games. We finally have a game that completely gets altered last night because of a blown call. And now all anybody wants to talk about is let's get these new refs, or the old refs, back in here as fast as possible. So our people, have they now changed their tune? They do want to give these guys whatever they want. Are they saying the NFL should meet any demand that these old officials want? They should get pensions. They should get the whatever raises or non having their salaries cut. I don't know the whole story on it, but is that, is that where we're at now? The NFL should do anything possible to get them back in, or should they just go back to the negotiating table? I, I don't know. Um, I will say this. In well, the do, you NFL, want, do you want the old guys back? Go ahead. Sorry. Well, in the NFL, the officials influence the game more than any other sport. Really? Bar none, of course. So of course they do. I mean, the way the rules are so specific and the way they review plays, the way the, way the, the calls that they make on the field influence whether or not the call can be overturned or, or what the possible outcome can be if they review it in the booth. And I think you brought it up last night. You made a good point about the wide receivers and cornerbacks playing completely different than we've seen in years because of what they're able to get away with right now. Which is blowing my mind this weekend why Tracy Porter and Champ Bailey weren't pass interfering on every single play. Like, (laughs) haven't they been watching? (laughs) Like, they could get away with it. (laughs) Do it. Like, this is your last chance. Yeah, you can finally play aggressive again. Which was also funny because I thought, yeah, you know what? Last time Peyton Manning played, it was with uh, the old officials. And uh, in a way, they transformed the game to benefit guys like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady. And now these guys aren't doing as well as they were, you know? <laughs> and now it's like, well, okay then, let's adjust. Guys, you know, tell your cornerbacks just bear hug these wide receivers every yeah. time. But cuz they're not calling pass interference. But no, I well, mean Well, they they do, but it's offensive, defensive, it's it's crazy. It's well, just they so... don't seem to be wanting to blow the whistle at the end of games because they feel like that is where they're going to get the most scrutiny. Yeah. You know, just like the whole thing of just put your whistle in your pocket and let the guys play. It's kind of what the NBA does. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially towards the end of a game, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, But no, like the NFL officials, they do influence the game more than any other thing. I mean, there's almost a penalty on every play, right? And so 
in a way, I see that. But on the other hand, again, I still stand firm that if these were the real officials making these exact same calls, it'd just be like another day. And that's what we see all the time. But last night was extraordinary. It was. Right. And, 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 and by the way, to answer your question about do we want to give the NFL officials, the NFL RA, everything they want, everything they need, I don't know. That's something I don't concern myself with. That's I think business that, side. I yeah. don't care. It doesn't. It doesn't affect me. I think what we've seen should at least get them talking again. But right now, I would. You'd have to say that the old officials have all the leverage because of everything you're seeing on the field. Well, you know, I don't. In, well, I that's, don't agree. In yeah, the that's short probably term, true. In the short term, in the short term, maybe the fans probably think that. But when you're talking business, it's completely different. Of course, because the NFL has been around a long time, and. And and believe it or not, these officials, the you know the NFL RA officials, these unionized guys, they can be replaced. And right? it's not Ed Hockley talking to Roger Goodell; it's Lawyer One talking to Lawyer Two. Right? Yes, yes. And I talked about this during the strike of the NFL strike or whatever that was lockout or last NBA year. NBA lockout or the NFL? The NFL yeah. lockout last yeah. year. I said the average. Uh, tenure the average career for an nfl player is two and a half years right so the nfl pa is going to fight the nfl right but the nfl knows that within two and a half years pretty much the entire uh personnel all the players are going to be turned over so when they do come around to a new cba you'll notice that it benefits all of the superstars all of the guys that are going to have long careers and it never benefits the guys that are one and done or two and done right Never. Now, with these officials, right, we're not getting the second best officials. We're getting like the fourth and fifth best officials. We're getting guys that were replaced in the lingerie football league. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, and uh, which is (laughs) below division one or, you know, 4A, 5A football in some states. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that's who we're getting. And we're getting guys that don't want to cross that picket line because maybe they want to be a part of this fraternity of referees. But the bottom line is, I don't think it would take that long to get new referees, good referees up to speed. And they don't want to pay these guys what they want because they want the higher salaries or the salaries are getting plus the pensions and all that stuff. I mean, think about that. The pension, I mean, think of 75, 80% of your salary over the next 25 years, right, of your yeah. life or for the rest of your life. I mean, the, the NFL is looking at that as like this is a billion dollars or $2 billion or whatever we have to spend on all the referees. But that being said – there's not that many referees compared to players, and they do influence the game a lot. Yep. But if it was regular referees that make these same boneheaded plays? Well, the, the crazy thing about last night, I think there's some rules about what actually happened. Like I heard something after the game about something with the replay review because you see the play live and you're like, okay, well – I think even with the old refs, if they got something wrong on the field, when they went back and looked at it on video, I would say they got it right 95% of the time. Yeah. You know, maybe one or two times it was still kind of like, but last night, like, you see what happened. You see, like, the replay, and you're like, okay, they went back and looked at it, but they still ruled it that. But I heard something about how, according to the rules, it couldn't have been overturned or something. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Now, this is – okay. I mentioned I have some theories. Rules get weird, man. This is perfect. This is perfect segue into my theories. Yes. Theories by Ross. We'll be bringing I, you these each week. Ross will have different <laughs> theories on different sports. These 
again, like I said, never and all the millions and billions of tweets sent out today and all the talking heads out all there, the names you'll Facebook. never hear analysis like this, which I think is better and more unique than anything you'll ever hear. This my is what separates third, us, man. My third, first, my first uh, thing. Sorry, I lost my place in my notes. Okay, two theories. First theory, this whole thing, this entire uh, end of game uh, blown call or maybe you think it was the correct call if you're one of the few fans in Seattle, this whole thing, this whole controversy was orchestrated by the Obama administration to (laughs) to distract Americans from the economy and the election. And <laughs> this is like wag the dog stuff. Barack Obama is out there wagging the dog. Yeah. Just like that movie with Dustin Hoffman, right? And you might be like, that's crazy. Why wouldn't he, you know, he wouldn't influence football. He doesn't have the power. Well, first of all, he's the, you know, the leader of the free world. And it turns out he tried this last week. Remember all the embassies and the consulates that were being attacked? Yes. Yeah. Remember that? He, he he orchestrated that too. This is what we call a slippery slope. Yes. So he went out there and <laughs> uh, and he figured out that uh, even after like he you know orchestrated all these attacks on em, you know embassies all over the Middle East in this oh, world God. to try and you know kind of divert people's attention away, he didn't realize that p- people don't care about embassies and geopolitics. They care about football. So he had to stoop to this level to go in and do this. I have now, seen more about this than I have the embassy stuff. <laughs> Ab- On that's, social that's media. My point. My that's comment, my point. Your average that's Joe. my point. Uh, more people are more interested in what happened last night than any of the stuff that happened last week. Now, it is either that <laughs> or my second theory. Second theory. And, of course, my first theory was only so I could say this theory. This is what happened. The Caucasian referee, the white man, came in, right? He did. The one who called it a touchdown. This is what happened. He went up there and saw what happened in the play, but he simply just forgot who was on offense. And it's just that simple. And the reason why I know this is because I could tell, I could look at him and his body language and everything that's going through his emotions. I know it sounds crazy that a referee could forget who was on offense and who was on defense. But I see this all the time in my own home. When I watch sports, <laughs> when I watch sports with my wife, somebody <laughs> will hit a home run yeah. or get like a long touchdown run. And my wife is jumping up and down and cheering for a few seconds before she realizes, oh, that was the other team. Especially if you watch so, that play because you see Golden Tate shoving the one guy, so it looks like he's defending. Absolutely, and that's what this guy did. That's what he did. He ran up there. He saw the Packers guy catch the ball, roll over, and he looked down. He goes, it's a touchdown. Yeah, because <laughs> the guy for the Packers was really going for the catch when he should have just batted it down. And that is – that I swear to God, that's what happened. And I, this is serious. Like I really believe that's what happened. I could see it. I could see the thought process he went through. And it just so turns out – You see that, the Seahawk guy trying to take it away? It, yes. That does make sense, and, man. That's and weird. It, and at the end, he, he could have been like, listen, guys, I, I went like this with the arms up. And uh, I said touchdown, but I, I, I forgot who was on offense and defense. And, but that would have been more embarrassing than just being blind. 
right? Yeah. I mean, being stupid is more embarrassing than being blind. And admitting you made a mistake is more embarrassing. And then, you know, and that's even what proves it furthermore is that they just kind of whip, touch down. All right, go in. Uh, uh, let's, uh, you know, review this play. And, of course, after he did that, at, and the thing you said, the rule was if it's called a touchdown, they can't overturn it, right? Yeah, it was something and about possession. Call, exactly. And they can't call pass interference on a replay, yeah. right? They can't go back and throw a flag during the review, right? Which would have just ended the game right there. If that guy had just thrown the flag and said, offensive pass interference, game is over. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't matter if he catches the ball or not because you, the game can't end or the game ends on the offensive, right? It was an offensive penalty. So right. It would have ended. Ends. Yep. So that's what happened. I swear to you, that is what happened. I like it, man. I can this, see that for is, sure. He just got confused about who was on offense. And that's it. But that They're, Packers player, man, just knock the ball down. Don't try to catch it. <laughs> Why didn't you just catch it and throw it out of the back of the end zone or something, you know? <laughs> you, you know, I, 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 I don't know. That's, I think that's kind of... <laughs> it's just instinct, dude. Yeah, come on. He yeah. wanted to intercept the game. He wanted to win the game. But think of all the things that this affected. Not only did it affect real football, and it's going to affect these teams, I guess, going forward because one has a loss, one has a win. Uh, it's gonna, it affected fantasy football games. Your defense, you know, not only loses the two points you would have gotten for the interception, but you also gave up the touchdown, so then your starting defense loses points. Vegas, how many people lost all sorts of money off of that play? That would have been interesting to see. Sure, but how many people won money off of that play? Very true. I mean, and here's the other thing. Like, for me, I picked Seattle on our, on our pick. And I, and I saw a lot of comparisons between this call and the Ed Hockley call and the Jay Cutler fumble. And, oh, yeah, and against San Diego. Rule, right? Yeah. And, again, I think that these calls happen all the time. Yeah, we had the tuck rule. That completely altered the way of the Super Bowl team. Yes. I, I would say that. That's more so than a third-week NFL game. Way more significant. Way more significant. Now, here's the difference, okay? Everything is exactly the same in all these circumstances. God, tuck rule, good call. You know, at the end of, the, at the end of that uh, game, what did the NFL do? They came out and they said, well, according to Section 4, Subset 3 and B, uh, the referees made a correct call. And then everybody goes, oh, okay, well, the rules need to be changed. Yeah. That's what everybody said. At the end of those plays, they said, oh, well, you know, the NFL tells us this is correct. Now, the difference is they're in a labor dispute. Right. And everybody knows these officials, so the officials have no credibility. But there's no saying that a regular official wouldn't have made that exact same call. And if it had, the NFL would have come out and said the exact same thing that they did every other time this happened. And people would have been like, oh, well, they need to change the rule about simultaneous possession and blah, blah. You know, yeah. And it's like, but the only difference is that they're replacement officials. And so say, you know, say what you want about the replacement officials being bad. We always think the officials are bad. Always. It never, nobody's ever happy with the officiating. So I say, you know what? Give these guys a break. This was the third week of the season. And you know what? Packers, if you're that upset about it, you know what? Why don't you try not being down by five points to the Seahawks? There you go. And, and that's, the, that's the thing you look at. We, we talked to, we've talked to George Collar about this. And he's told us, you know, if, it, if you can't worry just about the fourth quarter. In an NBA game, you can't let it come down to that. You have to play in the first quarter like it's the fourth quarter. You have to respect the entire game, and you have to – yeah, I mean, come on, Packers. If it comes down to one play, it's because you didn't make other plays. Yes, and I am disgusted with the way the players, NFL players, are tweeting out 
this type of find me. I don't give a crap. Yes, that was I don't garbage. know who that guy was for the Packers. He was like a defensive Wang end or, or whatever. Something, yeah. It's like, dude, you should you come on. I mean, honestly, why didn't you're, why you're weren't you sacking the quarterback there? Yeah, what happened? Yeah, what? How many plays were there in that game? Right, well, and that saw, was the reason why. I even saw tweets that were saying when the I didn't I didn't see the games we were podcasting. I saw tweets saying on the drive where the Packers took the lead that they had some very favorable calls on that series. So it's like you said. They've been making errors on both sides of it for three weeks now. And, you know, fans on the Seahawks side would have been upset if they would have lost because they would have said, well, the Packers got all those BS calls on that drive that they shouldn't have got. You know, and the Packers fans are now upset because of that BS call, but there's been bad calls all around, baby. It's like yeah. pizza, baby. Yes. It's everywhere. And, the, and it's just it's a new paradigm. This is now the new worst call in NFL history. Before Until that, the next <laughs> before that it was Ed Hockey League. Before that it was the Tuck Roll. Before that it was the Music City Miracle before or whatever, that, right? The, the backwards pass. What was yeah. that? The backward pass. But I it was still really think that a was good. Pass. Okay, fine. But, but you know what? <laughs> Yo, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, but it's like everybody. And then all of a sudden it's like some of the things I've seen. Well, okay. I don't want, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus here. But last night I was, we were done with the podcast down there. And we were, I was following Twitter just kind of like reading all this stuff. And just it's it's mob rule, right? This is like everybody with their oh, pitchforks, piling on, right? And, piling on. Yeah, nobody likes authority, right? People want to hate Goodell and whatever. I don't really have an opinion on Goodell. I mean, what are you supposed to expect from that guy? He's clear. I mean, whatever. But yeah, Ross, somebody. I'm not going to say who it was, but this is a Twitter guy. He's in Denver here. He tweets a lot frequently, and and uh, he's a young guy. And if you're listening, dude, I'm not throwing you under the bus here, but. And I don't know if you were kidding, this guy. He said, this is seriously like the 9-11 for football. Oh, my God. Somebody tweeted that what? out. And, 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 and we've talked about this in the past. Ugh. This incessant, almost a lust for controversy yeah. that our society has. A lust for tragedy. Yes. You know, we witnessed this after the uh, Batman shooting, right? The way that people were almost and I don't like to put it this way, but almost happy that it happened just so they could speak their voice about it. Yeah, like just they, so almost they, can... have, they almost have nothing else going on in their life, so they were almost excited about a tragedy. Yeah. And this is the sports version of that. And, and it's like everybody just needs to calm down yeah. and just be like, this still is just football. But to, yeah, to compare this to anything that happens in real life that actually – Involves people's lives is ridiculous. The nine eleven of sports. Now ridiculous. maybe he was being making a joke of it. Maybe. And if he was, then I think that's funny, and I think that's satire, and I think that that's ridiculing the people that were doing it. But me knowing his tweets, he doesn't strike me as that type of person. Yeah. But then again, whatever, uh, no big deal. But that's why when I came up with my two theories, one was Obama, you know, right. Orchestrated this, <laughs> yeah. Not because I thought Obama orchestrated it, but I was thought it was important to point out how much coverage this is getting. Oh my! Like I said, it was on freaking CNN, yes. like Fox News. Like yes. I'm like, and what? people are more passionately invested in this play than they were about the freaking, uh, you know, yeah. embassy attacks and the consulate attack. And so, like that. That's all I'm saying is, you know, let's just take a deep breath. Yeah, you know, you know this what? is a game of men, you know, played by men. Officiated by men. Men make mistakes. But I'd also like to point out, Golden Tate caught not only that pass, but he caught that Packer player. <laughs> and I don't you think he touched what? the ground. 
That's a good point. He caught the whole thing. He's like, I'll just do all this. You know, yeah. If you if the defensive guy catches the ball and then you catch the player, yeah, that you get all of that. It's all yours. That's yours. Yeah. If he's wearing jersey forty three, that might be a forty six point play. Now, let me finish this all up. This 49. discussion. Okay. If this happened against the Broncos, I'd be oh. pissed. Oh, lose it, Ross. I would have lost it. If, I, if this happened against the Broncos, oh. I'd be calling. But, but that's the thing. I'm emotionally invested. Yeah. And so I would have had to have recused myself from the debate. But as an impartial observer, a professional yeah. paid analyst yep. on this Colorado Sports Guys podcast, I, my voice should be heard. It really but should. If this happened to the Broncos, uh, whoo boy. Oh, man. Oh, you mad. Man. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have gone to work today. Uh, That's for sure. <laughs> let's take a quick one, come back, talk a little NBA Nuggets basketball. I wish we had that music queued up. The boys are back in town. Boys are back in town. Is that like a Bachman Turner Overdrive or BTO, as the fans like me call them? I don't know. I, I know those songs, but I don't know who sings them ever. Boys Even like, are back in town. Like last night, John and Colin were, you know, when Colin's playing music, John's over there guessing what artist, and they're talking about where it was even recorded. And I was like, how do you guys know all this stuff? Like, eh, they looked it up ahead of time. My useless knowledge is more in like sports they, they movies. They looked it up and, ahead of time. <laughs> They knew what songs they were going to play. Yeah. Hey, Email them back and forth. Unlike you and me, Trigger. those guys are actually friends, I think. Yeah, you that's know, true. This is the second time I like you, week. man. I texted you to see hey, what you're yeah, doing yeah. over the once, weekend. Once a week is fine. Yeah. Once a week is fine. <laughs> I think you're crossing the line. You want too you... much. <laughs> you want too much. No, but they did play a song uh, by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. September. That song. I love that song. Earth, Wind, and Fire, the falsetto voice you hear there. Yeah. Denver native. I think you went to like Montbello or East High School. Nice. I think East. Yeah, it sounds right. And uh, I saw them at Fiddler's Green a couple years ago. I was with my my mom, my sister, and at the time, my uh, either my girlfriend or my wife-to-be (laughs) before she was a Colorado sports wife or Colorado sports girlfriend. She Uh was the Colorado girl on the side. Nice. Colorado sports girl. Casually dating. (laughs) Keep trying to keep it casual. You don't want to get too serious too fast. Keep it casual. Yeah, we saw Earth, Wind, and Fire and Chicago play. Nice. And it was awesome. But what made the night is we were all up there on the green, way back against the wall. We got in there late, hanging out, sitting down. I look over, and there's Scott Hastings. Oh, yeah. kicking back on a blanket. Scotty. Uh, The blanket looked like a towel underneath him, his gigantic frame. You know, just spread, spread out. 6'10", baby. Big, big dude. There with, like, his family. I think maybe his daughter or maybe his wife and, or sister or something like that. Chilling out. You know, it was cool. I didn't go up and talk to him. But throughout the entire Big concert, mistake because he's a hell of a nice guy. He is a nice guy. I've heard that many times. And uh, But throughout the entire concert, guys just kept coming up and being like, hey, what's up, man? And every ah. single time someone came up to Scott, he was just like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And you hear about... Guys all the time, like guys that are well-known, local celebrities or big-time celebrities, and they're like, I'm eating dinner here with my family. I'm trying to enjoy my night out. And you come over there. And it's like, dude, you know what? It's like being at a family reunion for Scott Hastings. What do you do at a family reunion? you got got 100 people there. They're all coming by and saying hi. That's the way Scott Hastings looked at it. And I could see it. And I was like, man, that guy is awesome. Yeah. 
I love the way that, I mean, Hastings played for a lot of teams. He played for a number of years with the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons. He didn't play that long for the Nuggets. He didn't play that much for the Nuggets, but he's stuck in Colorado. And there's nothing cooler than that, man. Well, you're right. I I agree, but, you know, I'm not sure it's that big of a choice between. Well, he also played for the Heat. He could go South Beach, baby. Have you seen his skin tone? Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm guessing Miami wasn't on top of his list. (laughs) I heard heard him on, uh, I think he was on Sports Radio once talking about when he played for the Heat in South. It was South Beach before it was South Beach. And he was like, that's not really where you wanted to hang out. Like, it wasn't the the cool hip spot it is now. Like, Lodo, you know? Lodo wasn't the greatest place to hang out at back in the day. That's true. But um, my favorite. Ask Doomerville about South Beach. Yeah, yeah. My favorite Scott Hastings run-in uh, when I went to the UFC 135 press conference at Pepsi Center, completely out of my element amongst fight fans, you know, fighters, Dana White, blah, blah, blah. I look over, and Scott Hastings is sitting behind the little rope, sitting on this table, just kind of kicking his legs, you know, and I'm like, what's Hastings doing here? This is pretty sweet, and he's dressed up. You know, he's got the suit on. So I went over and talked to him, and they let him. Uh, he announced the press conference. He brought up Dana White. And it was it was pretty sweet. And he was like, how cool is this that I get to bring up Dana White? And I was like, yeah, this is pretty sweet, man. He loves his life. It's a pretty, pretty nice life. You know, every once in a while I see tweets from him and Facebook updates. That seems like he's going through some hard stuff. He did. His, uh, his mother passed away. Oh, that, is that what happened? She oh. did. Tough time for him and his family. But the cool thing was I follow a lot of Nuggets fans on my Twitter. I've, I, I see, you know... A lot of support, a lot of love going out from the Nuggets family to him because he has endeared himself to this community. Yes. Yeah. He's been on the radio here for so long. I remember calling into the sports zoo, Dave Logan and Scott Hastings. Great when show. When I was like 12 years old, after school one day, I call in and they were talking about this was the topic, which is probably done every day in this country in 25 different markets. Yeah. You know, and then probably in Denver, like once a month. The uh, topic of what is a sport? Uh, I don't know if I consider golf a sport. Blah blah blah. You know, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Like, base, is baseball really a sport? So we call cheerleaders. <laughs> He's cheerleading a sport. Are we going to call that a sport now? Well, they're flipping and flopping. Uh. <laughs> and so we call and be like, "Hey guys, first time, long time. Hey, for, I don't understand why baseball is a sport. You can be fat and overweight. You can't call that a sport." <laughs> and so I called in at twelve years old, thinking I was smart, and uh, I called in. And uh, at the time, I was heavily into uh, the NBA Guide, this, that big book. It's basically like the encyclopedia of the yeah, NBA baby. from 1949. I think this one was like to 1993 or 94 or whatever. And I would just go through and I would literally. Those things were shit, though. Oh, you yeah. You had the almanacs and stuff? Yeah, this was the NBA Guide, like the sporting news NBA Guide. And I would watch basketball games and I would cross off like – you know, guy's career scoring record, I would cross him and be like, all right, he scored 25 last night. <laughs> and like, yeah. You know, like I was watching WGN, always the, you know, the Bulls, and then on, I think it was Channel 2 that the Nuggets played. And I'd be sitting there and I was watching, you know, and, and I remember watching like Jalen Rose play, you know, like against Danny Ferry. Like, oh, Danny the Ferry. I'd be like, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, and then I called in one time because I was looking through the uh, – the, the NBA guide after I heard a trivia question like on the previous night's Nuggets game and it said something about like the Nugget who had gone to the most all-star games right and they had said one guy and I don't remember who it was but I saw well David Thompson's been to like three or four yeah and so I called in and this was during this debate about what's a sport what's not a sport 
And again, I was like 12 or 11 or 10, something like that, like a young kid. And I get on there, and Dave Logan answers, you know, hey, you know, we got Ross and Golden or whatever. And I was like, hey, guys, uh, I was watching the NBA the show, uh, and it said uh, Dave Thompson went to three NBA All-Star games, but I, I thought he went to four. <laughs> like, you, know, you know, like everybody who knows statistics knows it because they watch the game that it happened. Yeah. You know, like me talking about Super Bowl 20, you know, when I wasn't even born yet. And uh, Dave, uh, Dave uh, Logan was like, well, I think that was because of the ABA. It was the ABA All-Star Game and then the NBA. And I was like, oh. oh okay. Anyway, about that, uh, anybody, what about bocce ball? You guys think that's a sport or what? <laughs> I got to go. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and oh, uh, it was like one of the most exciting things ever. And then I hung up and ran downstairs. And I missed myself on the radio, you know, because the delay. And yeah. my mom was like, you sounded like a man. And I was like, I did? She's like, you sounded like an adult calling in. And uh, I was like, I did? Like, now, Mom, you know why? It's because I am a man, Mom. I'm going to go yeah. mow the lawn now and chew tobacco. <laughs> and then now that I'm an adult and I listen to people who call in to radio shows, I'm like, well, they all sound like children. <laughs> you, know what but, I, uh, you know what I used to do is uh, I'd call, you know, I don't know what radio stations back in the day, but you'd request a song, right? But you weren't on air to request it. You just called the DJ during the song, request it get your tape, throw it in the boombox, hit record, and they'd come back and go, all right, and this next song is going to be for Nate and Parker. It's Green Day. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, I had it recorded. This is my name, Nate Parker. That's me. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. I got a it. great story about this. One day. And <laughs> this NBA is, talk, folks. This you're this not going to get really oh, we'll get this. it here. We'll get it quick. Oh, we'll, we'll transition. Get, we got a little bit of time. We'll transition. This was maybe five years ago. I was uh, leaving work at this old job I used to have. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but... Uh, well, old jobs. Not just me not having cable, which I've mentioned a few times, but I used to sell copiers. Yeah, man. As a, as a copier salesman. I got stuck <laughs> talking to a copy guy for about two weeks. Oh, yeah, I mean... Uh, got really wanted <laughs> to hang out. paying per click on that thing. You know, we could probably... Uh, Cut your price in half there on the paper clicks, you know. But anyway. If you're looking at a copy, it's going to print about, about 100000 a day. How many people you got in your office there? Make two of us. You're looking at, yeah, let me come out there and we'll, we'll talk numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always want to come out there. Yep. Oh, yeah. You got to get in front of them 10 times before you can get behind them once. You know what I'm saying? All right, baby. Five but, years ago. Anyway, I'm driving home from work. and uh, Same car? Different car? Oh, way different. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. But uh, I'm listening to the radio, and I think it, it was like uh, one of the FM radio stations. Like they were playing music. Okay. And uh, I was on the phone, and there was an upcoming concert like that weekend. There might have been like 311 or something at Red Rocks. Okay. And uh, I've seen 311, you know, five, six, seven, I don't know, a lot of times at Red Rocks. Great. Always a great show. My sister Sam recently said they kind of suck, so don't go anymore. Oh, well, yeah, they're getting old. But. 311. Not <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, she's getting old, too. Uh, it's okay. But uh, she knows. I, I called in. Uh, they said something like, uh, yeah, blah, 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 call 555 Call 720-722-1274 when your tickets to this thing. And, there you uh, go. And so I was, like, on the phone with somebody. And I was like, hey, let me call you back. I hung up the phone. And then I, I was, like, driving, dialing on my flip phone. Yeah. Did what I had. And I call in. And they're like, yep, uh, you know, 933 or whatever this is. And I was like, yeah, did I win? <laughs> and they're like, uh, they're like, no, no, you got to call in uh, when you hear the the song. I'm like, w w wait, what? They're like, uh, the song. You know, we're gonna play the song later, and you got to be the tenth caller or whatever. And I was like, so, so I won. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I couldn't understand what they were saying. Like, and uh, they were like, "No, no, call back in five minutes. We're gonna play the song." And Ross, you've you've told me some of your stories in the past <laughs> about some of the lengths you'll go to to accomplish some goals. So I'm thinking maybe you might have ended up winning this thing. <laughs> no, this is the funny part. So I'm like, "Oh, so I didn't win." And they're like, "No, you didn't win. You gotta you gotta call back." You know, and I was like, "All right, well, I'll call back later then, right?" And they're like, "Yep," and I hung up. And then I was driving along, and then all of a sudden, the commercial ends or the song ends or something, and uh, I hear my, you know, the song ends, and it's like it's like nine three three right over the stereo. <laughs> it's like some idiot is like, "Hey, did I win?" <laughs> and they're like, "No, no, you didn't win. Uh, you got to call back later." You know, when we play the song, and, and and I'm like, and then I hear the guy say, did I win? And I'm like, oh, my God, that's it's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this idiot. I heard myself play back on the radio f- like five minutes later whenever the song ended. And then I called back my buddy who I was on the phone with earlier. And he was like, hey, dude, dude, I can't talk, man. I'm trying to win these tickets. And I was wow. like, what tickets? He's like, dude, uh, uh, the tickets to 311. By the way, did you just hear that idiot on the radio? <laughs> it's like, oh, that was me. Like, no, was didn't insane. hear him. <laughs> it was insane. It was so funny. But uh, that was my story. Love it. Well, Ross, so those are my two times ever calling into a radio station. That's good. Never again. That's it. Huh? Actually, that's not true. There's two others. Yeah, I was thinking, thinking there'd probably be more. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this NBA season for for. Oh, one good we're uh, gonna wrap the show up here. We're out of time. Oh yeah, we're out oh. of time. We'll get you next week. <laughs> no, but seriously, sorry. Go ahead. I'm looking forward to talking with my guys, Dario and Adam of Denver Sports Nation, talking some Nuggets hoops at some point coming up. You're going to be on their uh, show? That is uh, Denver Sports Nation. That's on? Mile High Sports Radio 93.7. Yes. Yeah. But during Saturdays or Sundays? Those guys are all over the place. I don't know. I'll have to to check in. But uh, I'm looking forward to talking with them during the season. Not sure when because our Nuggets are coming back. They're starting up on Tuesday. October 2nd, training camp begins. Everybody, I believe, well, 14 out of 15 guys are back. Timothy Mozgov back in town after winning a bronze medal in Russia. His hair looks to be grown out a little bit. How did you see him? Uh, Twitter. There's a off a Nuggets, Denver Nuggets Twitter account. There's him and Kufis hanging out in the locker room, chilling with each other. Um, the only guy missing still, Danilo Gallinari. He should be back sometime this week, I would think, as obviously stuff gets started next week. So everybody's back. There's going to be, of course, at some point before the season begins on Halloween, we're going to have the inner squad scrimmage where you'll have an opportunity as fans to come out, bring your family, watch the game, probably get some autographs before and after. We'll let you guys know uh, what date that's going to happen, but... Looking forward to the season and looking forward to this team. I am looking forward to it, too. And this I have to thank you for, Nate Timmons. Yeah. Being, doing this podcast every week with you, and we have Jeff Morton in here once a month to talk about the Nuggets, talking to Mark J. Spears last week from Yahoo. Uh, talking to, we had talked to Matt Moore earlier in the week from, again, hardwoodparaxism.com and CBS, CBS Sports, Sports and all that stuff. NBC Pro Basketball Talk. There is so much more about the NBA and the Nuggets than it's the same. It, it's it's interesting and it's fun and and I've always been kind of like poo pooing the Nuggets right since I was like I don't know, you know twenty 
just been like, ah, forget the Nuggets. Actually, you know, we got Carmelo, and then I was in with him, you know, for a few years. But after that, I got completely disenfranchised with the whole Thuggets thing. Yeah. This team is exciting. You know, Masai Ujiri, Josh Kroenke have done a lot of good work bringing these guys in, getting, you know, getting us through that, getting us through that transition. I think there's a lot to be said about the Nuggets coming up this season. I'm excited about Andre Iguodala. Some people think that this was a mistake. I don't see it that way. No, not at all. And it's I went through on on Denver Stiffs today. We relaunched our website. It looks completely different. So I'm sure most everybody out there that's listening to this will already know that. But if you get a chance, go to Denver Stiffs. Check out what we're doing there uh, with the relaunch. Uh, I posted today. I did a instead of a stiff list where we always kind of complain about things going on with uh, the NBA and with sports in general. I flipped it today and kind of did a non-stiff list and listed the reasons why we should be excited about this Nuggets team. and Keeping it positive. Keeping it positive, Keeping it positive. But I still believe the number one reason is just, like you just mentioned, the culture around this team and you know the closeness, even though the Nuggets have been turning the roster over so much in the last two seasons – these guys are still, even though you know Al Harrington, Aaron Aflalo get shipped out of town, and Ty Lawson admitted in Dime Magazine that he was probably closest on the team to Al Harrington, but he does know Andre Iguodala. Iguodala said at his press conference, he's like, you got to watch Ty Lawson. He's pretty slick. He's tried to, he's basically implying that he tried to cheat him out of card games a couple of times with a couple crafty moves. But, These are all stories in jest. Yes. Because we've heard about NBA guys pulling guns on each other on, like, airplanes <laughs> right, and stuff. Right, yeah. So. Some weirdos, but, <laughs> yeah. Who was that? Uh, Gilbert Arenas and um, uh, Jarvis Crittington. Jarvis Crittington, I believe, was ended up being charged with, like, a attempted murder or murder at some point after that, so he yeah, had so, some uh, problems. Hey, uh, who said this about Ty Lawson? Andre Iguodala? Yes. Let's uh, tone down the uh, gambling fight card, stories, okay? Card, please, yeah. <laughs> Let's leave the dice at home. Unless, of course... Yeah. It's the dice drinks. Oh, you got to keep those coming. <laughs> but uh, but these guys, I mean, they're, they're, they're a close team. They're spending so much time together this summer. You know, I've, I've talked to some people in the Nuggets organization that have just really been, I don't want to say that they've been surprised by it, but I think that they have. I think that they are a little bit, you know, I think they're happy with the fact, and we should be happy with the fact that these guys are wanting to be in Denver, wanting to be around each other, and working hard at becoming a team already. You know, they've been working together all summer, and some of these teams that are going to be starting next week probably haven't seen each other for three or four months. So the Nuggets hopefully have a little bit of a leg up there getting this thing to gel correctly on the court by spending so much time around one another because that's kind of what it's about in basketball. You played ball. Yeah, uh, I did, and it is important. The talent has to be there. Yeah, talent trumps Uh, all. you got to have – Iguodala's got to put this team on his shoulders this season. He's got to do it. You have to see JaVale McGee really step up. Uh, you know, Wilson Chandler's going to have to be, you know, he's coming off major hip surgery. He's kind of just, he had to learn how to walk again and learn how to run again, you know, and he's going to be asked to be the main contributor off the bench. So he's not going to be able to come along slow. He's going to be thrown right in there like we talked about with, you know, with Peyton Manning. It's, these, not to compare the two, but... You know, yeah, this team has to come together. Ty Lawson's been talking about wanting to become a, a top five point guard. George Carl's been throwing around that he needs, you know, he should be an all star. So there's a lot of pressure with this team. And it's been a nice story, but like I've been saying, the nice story at some point is going to go away and it's going to have to translate into wins. So they got to, yeah, I agree. 
But there's no reason not to think and not to hope that this team can't be something special because they do have the talent, you know, on paper. They do have the youth on their side. And I would say on paper they don't have the talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, guess I would say could, on paper you, you don't. They're going to need to transcend what's on paper, I think. Now, let me ask you this. To uh, a degree. I mean, I think they do have some top – well, yeah, you're right. They don't have top talent. They have, you know – I think Iguodala is a legitimate all-star top talent type player. Right. Now, let me ask you this. About a month ago we had Matt Moore on here. Just mentioned his uh, website, Hardwood Paroxysm. Yeah. Paroxysm. Right? Sure. Yes. <laughs> he mentioned at the time, and this was a month ago. Now, he mentioned that he didn't think the team and the squad we had then was the team that they were going to have going into the season. He mentioned that he thought there was going to be still some moves to be made. Now, you thought differently. Now, let I me I think ask he you was this. looking a little longer term than the start of the season. I think oh, he was? Yeah, I think he's thinking over the next season or two that we might see over the next season or two. Oh, I thought he was talking like this season, like for this season. But I don't think so. Cause I, I was kind of bringing up that I thought the core was really Ty Lawson, Gallinari, um, you know, Fareed and JaVale McGee, like kind of being like this young force. And I think he was kind of telling us, he thinks that they'll take those guys in some sort of combination. Plus maybe Wilson Chandler, and maybe try to turn that into something else. I see. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was going to ask you, you know, Seven days out from training camp as of today. You know, and then the season starts, the regular season starts, you know, Halloween. early November, right? October 31st, Nuggets will be in Philly to play the 76ers. In a regular season game? Yes. Oh, nice. So October 31st, is there any talk of anything? Again, you've talked about this before. The Nuggets don't give up much, but no, is there anything yeah. simmering? Is there anything percolating about maybe some moves the Nuggets could make? It's going to be, you know, you see on NBA chats, fans are asking writers about one guy, and they're always asking about Wilson Chandler because he's a backup. He looks like a backup because Gallinari's supposed to be entrenched at the small forward position. But like Jeff Morton's been talking about, and we'll probably have him talk about this again in the future, Daniil Gallinari probably going to see a lot of time at the at the power forward position. There's not really a, a solid backup there for Kenneth Fareed, so when Fareed is on the bench, it, it's probably going to be George Carl sliding Gallo over and then bringing Chandler in. So, you know, a lot of people want to think that Chandler might get traded, but I don't know. It, you know, you never know with the Nuggets. I don't see – I don't know. I don't, I don't really see anything major happening, but if something major does happen, it's going to be just like all the other trades. It's really going to take people by surprise especially now because the guys that they will be trading will be guys that a lot of people believe are core players on the team. How demoralizing would it be if you were Wilson Chandler? You had to sit behind Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of theories about you know, starters. And you know, George Carl's thing is he doesn't care who starts. He cares about the guys that end the game. But again, with... That's a, that's a problem we might see with this Nuggets team is they have so many guys that are capable and needing to prove themselves. Minute crunch and you know crunch time are going to be very interesting to watch with this team. Like, I don't want to see JaVale McGee on the bench with two minutes left in the Nuggets in a one- or two-point game because I think his value as a rebounder and shot blocker is so much that you can't afford to have him on the bench. But like last year, Carl liked to put you know like Al Harrington in at the five, and keep 
at the time, like Costa Kufis, Timothy Moskov, Chris Anderson on the bench. Usually was, in basketball, your five best players or your five, six best players, your six best players, and they play the majority of the game, and then you know you rest them when the other team's best players are off. And it's weird the Nuggets seem to have like the situational thing going, where like we have our starters. Right, but then we have our situational guys, and it's like, no, you have your best players. Your best players go out there and bust their ass and hustle and get rebounds and score, and they and they and they play and dominate the game, and they're the top tier. It's it's kind of weird. It's like it's, maybe it's just the nature of the Nuggets the last two seasons. It is weird. You got to pick is... and choose, and you know you're waiting for some guy to you know rise above as a leader. I think if this team wanted to be good, you, these conversations about who's in at the end of the game they end because you already know yeah. the guys who start are the guys in the end of the game. You know, unless, you know, your center fouls out or something. And that's, I mean, that's, I think that happens every year where you start to think who are going to be the guys and this team, we're going to find out, you know, through the course of this season, you know, who's going to make it and who's not. And a lot of people think that there's a lot of trade value with some guys, but if guys are playing this season and not really rising to the occasion, then what's their trade value then? You know, know, as a 24, 25 year old guy, if you're not cutting it on a team, where everybody's around that same age, your trade value is going to plummet. So it'll be interesting to see if they try to make a move fast, if somebody like a Josh Smith becomes readily available, or if they you know, try to hang on to what they have and you either sink or swim based off if those guys are able to get it done. I say we packaged Danilo Gallinari, <laughs> Timothy Mozgov, and Evan Fournier. We sent them off. Maybe we could make a trade with Toronto or something. Who's their best player? Toronto's best player? Yeah. I think those guys would fit in better like it. in Toronto. <laughs> Toronto, yeah, with Toronto, you're getting back more European, so you're not. Gonna oh, <laughs> you wouldn't be happy, Ross. Awesome. <laughs> All right, good deal. Um, of course, I speak in jest. Now, we got to do this quick. What happened last week? What happened last week? With that gambling, sorry. Oh my gosh! You need to be more specific. Oh my gosh. Uh, Ross, last week we, we piled through uh, Jeff Morton, our guest picker for the week when he was in here. Jeff finished 6 and 10. Oh, what an idiot. So if you finish 6 I knew, and I knew he was picks were crap. He didn't seem confident <laughs> about any of them. And Jeez, I'm like, man. dude, you're a basketball guy. Get out of here, man. I'm the Colorado sports guy, or at least one half of them. Yeah. 6 yeah. and 10. What uh, a joke. So then uh, we come to Ross Martin. Ross, you finished the week six and ten. Ouch. Wait, seriously? Yeah, six and ten, Ross, for you. No, 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 no. Are you just looking at the same notes you wrote for Jeff? I am not, sir. I'm looking at yours. You're six and ten. That moves your overall record to 23 and 24 on the season. Holy man. And uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Nate Simmons comes in nine and seven in week three, pushing his overall record to 26 and 21. Which means we finally have a tiebreaker in our two week lock, which means Ross Martin's going to have to read this statement, Dude, in which he did not God, prepare. I, I swear to God, I looked and I did not finish six and ten. Well, Ross, I'm actually one of the smartest people on the planet, and you definitely did. So there you go, sir. Can read that to our our lovely listeners here as part play of the your yeah, play the crowd thing again. <laughs> I like that you threw that in there a little bit. I feel yeah. Like I have drops going now. This is awesome. All right, man. Here we go. Ross Martin going to read a statement for you. <laughs> I, Ross Martin, have this to say. I miss cable, and I wish Colorado had some quality deep dish pizza. 
Just like those Chicagans you love so much, Ross. It, the thing about it is, you know, back home in Chicago, on the, you know, <laughs> you know, with Summer Lake, you know, Summer Camp, we go on the lake. You know, my dad owns a boat, and we go out there, and we'd have such a great time eating the best pizza ever. Is there a lot of people eating pizza on lakes, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> well, in it depends. <laughs> Not Lake Michigan. Lake, lake Michigan is nasty. We go to Lo- Lake Okoboji. That's where we went. Where my dad takes me. Dude, six and ten. Six and ten. I miss cable, and I wish Colorado had some quality deep dish pizza. Wow, <laughs> you know, you know how to strike to the bone. Yeah, so folks, you can find us a little bit later Cut in the, the bone, week I mean. because we're going to be coming back with our week four picks probably on Thursday before that uh, Cleveland Baltimore game, and we will be back on Thursday. <laughs>